You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Mr. Zach Blair from Rise Against on the program. So I am stoked to bring you guys this conversation. Uh, We had a great chat about all kinds of things. Uh, He's got a great story. He's a very, very interesting guy and really doing it right. Uh, Zach is clean and sober. Uh, really, uh, we talk about it a little bit, but we, he really appreciates his station in life, you know, cause being, uh, in a band of rise against level, I mean, any band's level, but rise against is a massive band playing huge shows for lots of people. And it's kind of a dream job to have. And he really appreciates that. And, you know, people that live, you know, a clean and sober lifestyle and, you know, take care of themselves in that position. You can tell, I mean, they really appreciate it. They want to do it as long as possible. They don't take it for granted. Um, so big props to Zach on, you know, just living it, living it right. And, uh, you know, no, no judgment on people that, you know, go the other direction either. I mean, it's to each their own, but it's refreshing to see someone in Zach's position that is, you know, he's never had a drink. He's never smoked a cigarette, you know, even through the teen years. I mean, that's something where we all falter. It seems like, but some people haven't, and it's really respectable, and, and uh, it's really refreshing to hear. So uh, shout out to Jenny Cotterill from Bad Cop, Bad Cop for connecting Zach and I uh, after we chatted 
Uh, she was, you know, we were talking about who we sh- who else we should talk to, and uh, Zach came up. And I'm a huge Rise Against fan, and I'm a huge Guar fan, and he was in Guar as well, which we talk a bit about. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to keep this intro very long. I never really do, I, as far as I can remember. Maybe I've rambled on for, you know, 10, 15 minutes before, but uh, yeah. So, uh, guys, I want you to check out RER Studio uh, on Instagram, my buddy Ryder. Uh, he's making some awesome leather goods. He does some amazing artwork. He's done old guitars, axe handles. He does pyrography. And uh, I know you guys have seen, uh, if you listen to the show for a while, or follow the Instagram for a while, you've seen the guitar strap he made for me. And, and uh, he made some uh, front pocket wallets to honor my dad uh, with my dad's name and, and uh, you know, date of birth, date of, date of death. And then... Um, this really awesome horse and horseshoe like it's it's awesome and uh yeah one of those for my brother and i to kind of have on us all the time to remember my dad and uh what an awesome dude an awesome friend uh Ryder's a great guy go support his shop he is doing fantastic stuff over there in saint anthony idaho so definitely go check out rer studio on instagram uh or rerstudio.com and uh get yourself some stuff so anyways uh purepleasurepodcast.com is the website uh app or excuse me pod <laughs> i am all over the place today uh purepleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me uh or anyone on the show um absolutely send us an email hit us up on the instagram that's the main one we're on uh definitely you know follow us on the socials tell a friend you know, tell a loved one about the show. I've had a lot of people lately uh, that have been sending episodes to other people of someone that they think they would like and getting them into the show. And that is awesome. Uh, and getting a lot of feedback and episode kind of rundowns of of uh, what folks think of different episodes. Um, Ivy Barkalo, shout out to her. She's probably listening to this too. Um, is always sending me like if she listens to an episode, she'll send me what she thought of the conversation. And I love that kind of stuff because it, it really helps me tailor things a little differently uh, or just reminisce on on past episodes, you know, from way back. So big shout out to her and uh, her and Nate Barklow, both fantastic people. Nate was a past guest on the show, which you guys pre- I mean, it was a massive episode. I, I was really surprised at, at how far beyond it went. I knew it was going to be a good one, but um, was really surprised to see it just how far it went. So, um, you know, lots and lots and lots of countries listening to this, this podcast and it's really cool. So, um, yeah, guys, so I don't have anything else. Uh, happy new year to y'all. Um, this is the, the new year's episode. We had the end of the century episode last week with Jordan Pundick from newfound glory. Go check that one out if you missed it. Um, but without further ado, guys, let's get into my conversation for the new year with Zach Blair from Rise Against. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. 
And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3. Tier 1 is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier 2 gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier 3 is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. 
So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. It kills me not to know this, but I've all but just forgotten what the color of her eyes were. And her scars or how she got them has the telling signs of age rain down. A single tear is dropping through the valleys of an aging face that this world has forgotten. Hey, Zach. How you doing, buddy? How's it going? Oh, it's going real good, man. Sorry about that. I just wrapped up another interview I've been doing. Every once in a while on the weekends, I'll do a little marathon. And uh, uh, yeah, this went, that one went just right up to the buzzer. So I was like, I'm going to switch out. Oh, sh- Shift shit. out my batteries and everything else. Make sure I have fresh batteries and everything else. Because, uh, yeah. I who, who, who was it? Who did you do? Uh, it was a girl named Courtney LaPlante. From, uh, she was in this band called I Wrestled a Bear Once. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know who that band is. Okay. She's in a new band called Spirit Box, and they're fucking amazing. And uh, they okay. live in Canada now. And, um, yeah, I heard their stuff on Spotify and reached out, and we set it up. And I was like, man, I'll do both on Sunday. It'll be perfect. And, yeah. So That's great, man. Went really That's well. Great. How are you doing? Are you home? Are you home for a while? Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm done touring. I'm done touring. I've been I've been done since 2007. So, um, oh oh no shit. Yeah, so you don't you don't you don't currently tour with Portugal the man. No, no, I I it was a weird story. So like I I got an offer to join Poison the Well while I was touring with Portugal, and uh, I took it because at the time they were bigger, doing more countries and things like that, and it was more my style, it was more aggressive music live, sure. of course, which I love to do, and uh, yeah, so I kind of agreed to that tentatively told the portugal guys the day before we left for europe uh that i was gonna after the europe tour i was gonna move on to poison well so they had worked on replacing me while we were in europe while i was in europe poison well got another tour took a buddy out he ended up staying on so i got back with no job (laughs) oh god damn i was like like, man i'm i'm 
been a lot of places like i've been touring for 12 years like i was like i'm kind of just wanting to do something else now and that's when i was like kind of like this is the push i needed to say okay start a family kind of do that thing and and that's what i've done so um well that's awesome man yeah so yeah i haven't been with them since 2007 and that was my last tour which was uh yeah europe man i think it's so you know we did a festival like a radio thing with those guys in vegas and Mm -hmm. uh I had no idea. Are we recording, by the way? Oh yeah, yeah. We I just start oh. when I when I call. I think. Um, I mean, nothing I say, everything I say about this particular thing is going to sound completely pedestrian, and you know, like yeah, no shit. But I think it's <laughs> fucking amazing that their guitar player is disabled. I think that is fucking unbelievable. It's so and and and. and what is shameful about it is that I am so amazed and surprised by it that more bands don't, you know, that that isn't more of a common occurrence because just because somebody's disabled doesn't mean they're a fuck, they're not a musician or they they sure. are incapable of playing. And that guy's amazing, you know. I watched the whole show; it was fucking rad. And I just thought that was so cool. And and then I was kind of bummed out, like, well, wait, why the fuck am I so surprised? Well, I shouldn't be so surprised by this. Yeah, this should be more of a common thing. Yeah, you know. Well, it's it's intense um, because like, he. So we all grew up together in Alaska, uh, and Eric included. And Eric's who we were talking about, and he, uh, he was he he was he was in an act involved in an accident when he moved down to Seattle. So he was he wasn't disabled his whole life, but he he uh, sure. was the best guitar player in Wasilla, like in the whole Valley area of Alaska. He was amazing, and uh, played drums, everything. Like he was one of those guys who could do anything. And uh, wow. he was in Seattle. I, the story, as I've been told, we were on tour when it happened. He was standing out front of a bar having a cigarette, um, and they had dug under the street for some construction and uh, didn't flag uh-huh. it off. They had no cones, and it was dark. So he was basically standing on concrete that was nothing underneath it, and it broke free. And he fell, I think, 13 feet onto his back, oh, and he was paralyzed from the neck down. And we got the call. We were literally driving into California. Eric's in the hospital. He because he wasn't in the band then, and uh, he he was in a band called The Lashes. They were on uh, okay. Columbia, I think. Um, oh wow! Anyways, they're kind of like a Strokes kind of band. And um, anyways, he was paralyzed from the neck down. We're like, dude, he what? He's a, like a musician. That's his life. Like, what the hell's he gonna do? And within like six months, he he got feeling back from the waist up, so he's still able to play guitar, and that's when. Uh, after I left, like that's when he came in and uh, he did the first tour following the bus in his car that was modded so he could drive with his hands because they didn't have a bus no he could get in. There was no right. accessibility for it. So right. he had to follow them after playing every night, like a bus routed tour in his car. It fucking sucks. Holy shit. But yeah, he's a he's a fucking maniac, dude. He's amazing. Well, yeah, he's what, a- an, what an amazing... I mean, that makes me feel like such a fucking just dipshit too you know what i mean like <laughs> like my fucking you know like this guy's driving himself following a bus routed tour and he's playing you know it's and he's killing it you know yeah. fucking killing it you know it's, it's oh he's great insane I, I was so so amazingly impressed about that i was just told everyone i was like did you know that you know and I'm, yeah and i was fully that guy you know it's strange um, that it's even a thing yeah, yeah it's weird like it's, it's it shows it really you is. it shows you where we're at <laughs> No shit. Like how how much the sort of culture of of uh, how much looks are involved. Yeah. And how much you, anyone's idealized uh, 
stereotypical image of a, what a quote-unquote rock star should be, like mm-hmm. this person I'm looking at playing music. This is what <clears throat> this guy needs to look like, and this is who this guy should be. And, you know, I've fallen victim to that myself, you know. It, it just, uh, it, it, whether it be, <clears throat> you know, uh, just getting in my head a little too much, oh, I put on some weight, or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, like yeah. afraid I'm going to let someone down or, or you know, it, not even myself, and it's it's you have to catch yourself. And I think it's just a weird, it, it is a weird sort of uh, balance of you know what we do. We're standing in front of large groups of people; they're just looking at you. Yeah. It's a <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty. Uh, I mean, it, you're you just feel like you're naked. You know what I mean? And yeah. If you, if I sit and think about it while I'm up there, I, you know, I can't definitely get my head about it, which I, I think. I think anyone could, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm just rambling, by the way. I no, this is good. Like this is this is what it's all about. Like and, and, and yeah. when you're in that situation, which I've been in as well, like you can't even see the crowd. Like you see lights. That's it. You're just in this room, Fully. this dark room where you hear sounds, but you can't see any of them until you kick those. It lights becomes in. white noise. Yeah. It becomes white noise. You know, yeah. and you focus on who you can see, which the first two rows or whatever, you know, if it's a general admission audience, people are just standing there and you just go, okay, I'm playing to you and I'm trying to paint in broad strokes so the guy at the very back of the crowd can see what I'm doing. Yeah. I guess. You know, I guess. Uh, hopefully, you know. I was, my brother and I went and saw, I live in Austin, I'm, I'm from Texas and I live in Austin, Texas and I saw Billy Gibbons and Jimmy Vaughn play the other night uh-huh. at in a in a small club, a little a, it's a legendary place called Antones, and it's 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 been a bunch of different places, and now it's a small little venue. And <clears throat> just watching those two like titans, you know, I, and me being a guitar nerd, I was just trying to like I I I I was doing that thing. I was just trying to find a good place to see their fingers, so I could actually watch them yep. play guitar. And see how they were doing shit, and and you know I'm not the tallest guy in the world. I'm like five eight, so it wasn't really working out for me. I had these like, you know, real tall old Texan men with their fucking hats on and mm-hmm. shit, just looking at me like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but, so it made me realize like, oh shit, I gotta, I, you, it, you have to paint broad strokes. You have to fucking play to the back of the crowd, you know. Yeah. Did you? Okay. So <laughs> so on this topic, I have been in the same position with Billy Gibbons. That that you were so small club. He was Billy Gibbons and the BFGs, right? That Cuban style, uh, yeah, Cuban fusion band. Yeah. But yeah. in my so there's a place in Portland here where I'm at called Revolution Hall. It's an old high school that they converted. I played there. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I was my buddy Ray runs the place, and I was like, dude, Billy Gibbons is coming. Can you put me on the house list? He's like, of course. And it was packed, right? And He's like, well, you can, you know, go wherever. And I went on. So basically, I ended up on the stage next to the organ oh, player. Oh, shit. Like 10 feet from Billy Gibbons. And I was just watching his hands, like the smoothest moves, yeah. like the most, my, like tiny movements. Like he was just, ba- I mean, it, his hands were almost still, it seemed like. But he oh, was for shredding. Sure, and the his tone was ridiculous. filthy. And he looked at me and gave me the finger gun. 
It was awesome. That's amazing. You know, and he plays with kind of a lot of gain. I mean, people that aren't guitar nerds will think will be just so bored of this, but and he plays with kind of a lot of gain, and he rides the volume knob, which is what mm-hmm. the old kind of like older timers do. You know, like not guys like us. You know, I'm going to go for another channel, or I'm going to turn on a, a lead boost or whatever. Yeah. Those guys just they go for like they really dial in a lot of gain on their amps and then crank like fucking sometimes dime their amps out mm-hmm. and then ride their volume off. So their, their normal rhythm tone tone is they're at like maybe a six on their volume. And then when they go for leads, they just ride their volume. You just keep watching. Billy Gibbons too. He uses seven gauge guitar string, like the lightest angel hair <laughs> guitar string and the peso. He uses a peso, a Mexican peso for a pick. So it's super thick, pick and then the lightest gauge guitar strings it's bananas how he makes that's all that insane. work now. like brian may using a quarter or whatever like the yeah that shimmery yes. kind of god it's weird i i have a band here in da- in austin called the draculas that's that's me and um some of the riverboat gambler guys mm-hmm. one of my best friends and we played last night with a clean tribute and the guy nails the brian may tone and so i got super dorky with him and he went through his whole, and of course he's playing a Vox, and he's playing on the normal channel, and he's got a Range Master treble booster. He went through all the shit, but man, he got it perfect. I think he even used like a pound, you know, uh, for the pick and all uh-huh. that British pound. And yeah, yeah, he was, he was. It, I was really impressed. Like, dude, you got the tone nailed. So if you're doing a Queen tribute and you don't have that tone, you might as well go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, I'll just say it. I was told mean? someone told me something with he uses like a wah pedal, like switched on, but not using it to where it gets that like well, kind of. Is you that, know what it is? What He's is playing it? out of he he his pickups are out of phase, oh. so it gets that cocked. Because that guy just told me this last night. This guy was playing Reverend guitars, and he was like, "I actually had to have the modded so I could play it out of phase." But he can put the pickups out of it because I guess Brian May originally on that like red special of his, I think, and I could be wrong about this, and people will probably fucking call me a dumbass for it, but <laughs> I believe he he originally wired the pickups wrong because you know him and his dad made that guitar, yeah, yeah, and he wired them out of phase, and so that was his thing, and so to get his tone, you have to, and it ends up sounding like a cocked crybaby, yeah, which for me. Man, I've been I, – I, I'm such a fucking dork, as, as is evidence, because I'm not <laughs> shutting up about this shit. Uh, uh, for me, you know, if I'm going to go for a lead, I'm, I'm – because I love 70s, like real 70s lead guitar players like Michael Shanker or Van Halen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you always – there's a phase 90 involved or a crybaby or something. I have to have that. And now there's that Q-Zone pedal that – I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, but, I'm not. It's a Dunlop pedal, and it basically is a cocked crybaby. So you're not having to wah a crybaby. Uh-huh. You just turn it on, and you can set. There's three different settings. There's like different settings of what where the 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 pedal is in the cock, basically, yeah. essentially. You know, like all the way down, in the middle, all the way up. And uh, yeah, check into those, man. They're they're pretty rad. I just got one, <clears throat> but they're kind of hard to find. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, we can stop talking about dork shit. No, this is good. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna lose fucking listeners hell no that's this but people listen to my show love the just the conversational thing about it where it's not you know because you can you can literally if you want to hear you know what someone does that's on the show go to spotify go to youtube you can watch it and see it they probably already know if you've already searched it out you know if you're not just listening to the show on its own but uh it's the conversational piece like I think I I think some of the most emails I got was uh, basically because I don't really ask questions much. Like, 
one of the biggest emails I got, like the most response to, was it just talking about someone's day job that they had to get in between bands because like, holy yeah. shit, I had no idea. Like I thought they made this much money. It's like, you know, <clears throat> weird random shit. But the Billy Gibbons thing sure. that was awesome because and so. <laughs> And so are you yeah. – I'm going to ask you this because you're in Austin, you're in Texas, you're in uh, Rise Against. Uh, yes. Vegetarian? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Um, that seems and, and, and crazy to me in Texas. It's like so hard to do in Austin. or Well, Austin's kind of like Portland. It's very, very progressive. But like being in Texas and dealing with that whole culture, being a progressive and vegetarian, like – it's always a weird thing to me when I meet people from Texas that are because like barbecue and blah, 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 you know, like everything's Why? Than it's this. definitely known, known for that. And, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I'm not one of those people and I definitely know them that have been lifelong vegetarians. I'm definitely not that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I am by ways of health and, and things like that. My father really didn't take care of himself and it kind of got himself into an early grave and he was 44. And so I sort of started really just kind of watching what I ate and watching mm -hmm. my health. And, you know, I actually, I was in Guar at the time when I decided to sort of go full tilt into, into the vegetarian thing. And, you know, but I'm not one of those people that, uh, I have, I've also never drank smoke or done a drug. And when I was a kid, I guess, you know, I could have put a straight edge label on that, but mm -hmm. now I'm 46 years old and I don't, I don't do that. And it, but being from Texas, I was the only guy, well, my brother, that made these choices. Every one of my friends did all of everything. Mm -hmm. And so I never had the wherewithal nor the sort of, oh, I guess, omnipotence uh, or, or, you know, to, to uh, self-impose omnipotence to look down my nose at somebody for doing anything that they did. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything is as boring as someone talking about their eating habits. Let's put it that way. Sure. If you're going to talk to me about, well, you know, I, I will fall asleep or just change the subject <laughs> or just walk away from you. Like, I don't fucking care what you do with your life. And, 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 and nor should I, you know, mm -hmm. um, and especially nowadays, I feel like there's really, really pressing matters with, uh, you know, just voting in this goddamn election, you know, this next year, uh, a little bit, take a little bit more precedence over like, Oh, what are you going to eat for lunch? You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's just such an yeah. ingrained culture. Like it's, it's crazy. It really to me. Like I work, uh, my day job now with a family and everything, I, I work construction. I'm a commercial plumber. So like we're building hotels and stuff and I work with people that are just pro Trump barbecue, everything, Traeger this, yeah. Traeger that, uh, you know, our, our holiday party is literally just meat and then like some garlic oh, yeah. bread, like it's, it, but it's ingrained. Like you try to talk about anything else other than that. And they're like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, yeah, you just don't get it. And they're from Portland, you know, one of the most progressive cities in the, in the country. Like, but they live here well, and they all kind of live out in the middle of nowhere and, and kind of keep yep. their little, their selves together. But yeah, it's it's that's it's the thing funny. we feel we forget about here in Austin, Texas, too. It's like, well, I'm still in Texas, you know. I still yeah. grew up around a bunch of fucking rednecks, mm -hmm. and and I know those dudes really, really well. Yeah. And I think that's why I I everything they did, I decided I wanted to like, okay, what's the average dude? And I'm from a town called Sherman, Texas, about an hour north of Dallas. Like, what is this asshole going to do? <laughs> How's he going to choose to live his life? What's his What's his choice? I'm going to do the exact fucking opposite. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of how I've 
base my life and my decisions as an adult, and it served me really well, in my opinion. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy with with my own choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, to each his own, unless you know, as as with like the Trump thing, to me, there's so much hanging off of that particular choice. Like, if you want to be a Republican, that's one thing. But if you want to vote for fucking Donald Trump, I just don't. You know. I don't want to know that person, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even going to engage a conversation. I mean, feel like it's, it's worth, you know, cause uh, you're basically too far gone already. So that, that particular thing, and then that's kind of what I'm really trying to, that is what I get. I find myself just getting in fucking like Facebook wars with people over shit. And people <laughs> don't even know. I'm just like, God, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, my wife is, um, is from Mexico and we live in Texas, so I can just leave it there. I mean, you can mm-hmm. imagine it's uh, it's come directly to my doorstep this whole fight, and so yeah. it's I'm p- particularly incensed about many things with with this partic- this thing. So, yeah, man, it's kind of a con- it's every day, you know, with us. Yeah, fuck. And what know? what keeps you in Texas? What what keeps you with roots? I mean, you could live anywhere. I mean, what what? Yeah, keeps you there? it's a good question, man. I you know. I honestly think I I do love this state. Mm-hmm. I love this place. It's I beautiful. Do as well. I love the weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the weather. I fucking hate cold weather. Can't stand it. Yeah, you know it's sunny here right now, and it's probably in the high sixties, and it's you know almost January. Uh-huh. So I love this. You know, I've been going up to Colorado a lot here lately, mm-hmm. and uh, the weather it's snowing, and it's you know, and it's. Hey, look, I mean, Colorado is a, is a pretty winter, you know, it's not slushy, shitty, you know, East Coast, you know, winter. But even still, I'm I'm born and raised here, so I'm not used to snow. I don't fucking like it. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do. I like many things about it. I don't like the fact that it's, you know, traditionally a red state and, you know, the Southern Baptist religion bullshit that permeates everything. And mm-hmm. even my fucking family. And the inherent racism that's just, for some reason, just sort of like given a pass, you know, certain yeah. people. And yeah. people I grew up with, people fucking, you know, you think back at the horror show that you grew up with and people, the way people talked about other people and shit. I think about shit now and it's just like, what the fuck, man? I was a kid. People were saying shit like that around me, you know. And yeah. Part of being Southern, you know. Um, I, I guess I do kind of like being... Um, the cog in the wheel, you know, yeah. I like living against the grain to, you know, no pun in bad religion, pun intended. <laughs> yeah. um, I like that. I like, I like freaking out the squares, you know, I always have. And, and I find when I'm sort of in places that where everyone thinks like me, it's, it's rad because, you know, you, you make friends and you can talk freely and you can, you know, whatever. But I also feel that certain needs sort of stick it to somebody. <laughs> that <laughs> makes sense. Just always, I've always just been that way. Like, yeah, but yeah, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've always found <laughs> the need to be that guy. And so I think being in Texas definitely scratches that itch. You know, and my yeah. mother's still here. My family's still here. My brother, uh, my brother's also a professional musician, and he lives here. You know, so it just. Uh, I mean, life is here. But you're right. I did have many chances to leave. I have tried before, and but somehow I've managed to play in a thousand different bands and never had to leave here. You know, like yeah. when I was in Guar, I was there in Richmond, Virginia, so I was flying back and forth. 
I had a band called Only Crime with Bill Stevenson, and yep. that was based out of Colorado. We just flew there, and then I joined Rise. And you know, with those guys, I I asked them honestly. I was like, "Do you need me to move to Chicago?" And at the time, by the time I joined, it was, this was 13 years ago now, but the band was already so busy. There was like, dude, it really doesn't matter where you live, man. Yeah, you know, we don't care where where you go when you're home. I was like, all right, fuck it. You know, there you go. So I never did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to think too. Out. Like, if you're out. in, if you're surrounded by people, like-minded people, you never have to challenge your beliefs and your your convictions because you're never tested. Exactly. And today, exactly. I mean, but then also you're in a unique position because you're on stage inspiring people every night, playing. You know, you know, uh, you think of how many people in there are being influenced by what you're doing. Same thing when you go to the store in Texas, you make a choice, you do whatever, you know, like you say something to somebody, you're planting these little seeds everywhere, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it makes sense. I just, I was curious if there's something specific that was really keeping you rooted there because you can also go anywhere in the world every year, you know, like you guys tour like crazy. And and the fact fact that I get to do that, I get Mm -hmm. to go see everywhere else and come back to this place that I am familiarized with, you know what I'm saying? And then I am comfortable with. I think that helps. And, you know, I am, like I said, I am born and raised here for, for, for better or for worse by hook or crook. It's home. You know, it is home to me. Mm -hmm. And, and I know that when I hear someone with a Texas accent, or I know that when I hear a reference to say Austin, Texas or something, when I'm gone and it's the way it makes me feel. And I think I would be too homesick, even though there's many things about it. I really don't like, uh, there's a whole lot that I do like, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and Austin particularly is very outdoorsy, you know, mm-hmm. there's hiking, there's running, you know. Uh, and again, the weather's nice year-round. So it's all, you can always go do shit, you know. So yeah. Nice. And there's a lot of rad bands from Austin. Like, there's a thriving little scene going on there. I have some friends in a band called Nominee down there that are fucking amazing oh, cool. band. They just signed to Smart Punk. Um but they're they're trying to make it happen, and they're doing. I mean, they're killing it. They're That's amazing. Cool. But uh, yeah, I love you know, that with, town. With, with me, there's all, we all grew up. You know, there's a there's a band that called the Marked Men, which is uh, just great seminal sort of punk band from Denton, Texas, mm-hmm. late '90s to the aughts. And now that band is splintered off in a bunch of great. There's a band called the Mind Spiders, a band called the Radioactivity, and then there's the Riverboat Gamblers. And it's all these guys that we all have kind of been, you know, satellited around each other and been incestuous in each other's bands and all that shit. And those guys are, all those guys are like my best friends. And it's this whole other world of punk rock that's like completely autonomous for me from anything Rise Against, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's complete, you know, I guess it falls under the umbrella of punk rock. It's definitely more of like, say, a garagey kind of a thing if you had to put a term on it, you know. Yeah. Um, has nothing to do with anything I play in Rise Against. Nothing that is like derivative of anything that would record with even say Bill Stevenson or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I like having that duality. I also like playing blues. You know, I love. I mean, I did that for a long time with a, a phenom here in town. He's rest in peace. His name was Nick Curran, and him and I had kind of had like an X kind of misfitsy kind of thing. But you know, I was teaching that guy punk rock and he was teaching me blues this is before i even joined rise again mm-hmm. and i just got immersed in it and fell in love with it so i love being able to go and sit in with friends or go see it because it's really great here you know there's something very specific about texas blues you know sure sure but again that's a very dorky thing to talk about and i'm gonna lose lose <laughs> listeners <laughs> well let's start back a little bit then man you t- you said your dad your dad passed away real young 44 uh, 
Yeah. 44 years young. What did you come from a musical family? I mean, you and your brother are both I, into it thick. So our dad was a radio DJ, like a rock, like the classic rock, you know, sunglasses indoors, long hair, yeah. biker, like that was our pop and tattoos, did drugs, and drank, and smoked, and partied. And for a living, he was a radio DJ. He had, he would go to work at 10 p.m. my whole life, and he had the like all night request out request show. Oh yes. So he he was playing Sabbath and the Who and Hendrix and like like the heavier stuff. Like my dad was, he was really into heavy shit. So when my brother and I started getting into our own music, we always had his record collection. But we would get in. We got right like right into thrash metal and like death metal. So we were bringing home like Possessed and Death Angel and the band Death and Pestilence. Uh And we were bringing these records home. And my dad, we would come home and our dad would just have the headphones on in our room listening to this shit on our stereo, like Seven Churches, the Possessed record with a big upside down cross on it. And our Uh dad's just stoked on it. Like, this is fucking great, you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was gnarly. And because we're from Texas and because we're from a little town, a little podunk, piece of shit town um we kind of had to get what we got mm-hmm. so it was like we didn't have the the uh good fortune of being able to align ourselves with some scene you know like we were so jealous of new york hardcore or the skate punk in southern california or even the thrash metal scene from san francisco or the thrash metal scene from florida death metal scene from florida we were just like man if it i remember we got black flag my war and slayer rain of blood on the same day and oh, it was the, the day slayer rain of blood came out actually mm-hmm. and and so for us it was just like it was all counterculture it was all aggressive and fast and pissed off and people in sherman fucking hated it so we were like we were all in you know we were like <laughs> let's fucking do it so we got into punk and hardcore metal it was all the same to us it was just all this 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 thing and then of course out of that music was born like crossover i guess that they had to call it something like dri and all that shit all those bands that sort of mm-hmm. mixed it metal with punk and so long story short yeah our dad just sort of he was kind of like a football dad in that way he was kind of like leave records out for us to sort of get into and he was into like the heavy shit of back then like blue cheer and uh-huh. you know those kinds of bands and the acid rock stuff so he would leave that shit out for us and it worked we got way into it and then he just kind of started asking us what have you ever thought about playing music and he showed me woodstock the live concert when i was five and i remember seeing pete townsend that and to this day the who are my favorite band and i i remember being five years old and just going i want to do that like i that looks amazing he looked like a superhero you know and so i went from playing action figures when i was nine my dad bought me a guitar and i started playing guitar my brother tried his hand at drums for like two years, and then he got a bass, and then we just did that. And the, you know, the idea was for us to both play in bands together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a band called Hackfish out of high school that uh, we actually did really, really well in Portland. Yeah, actually. I remember. Um, that. Yeah, yeah, we that we did that for ten years. Mm-hmm. I quit high school for it, like my senior year. My dad died my senior year, so. Oh. I was just like, well, fuck this. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go yeah. for it. <laughs> Thankfully, it worked because uh-huh. fuck, I didn't have a I didn't have a plan B, and um, yeah, just start touring and 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 doing that thing, you know. And for, we were fortunate enough to like people dug us, and we would basically just at this point we were obsessed with the Descendants, 
And we met those guys. They were all at the time. And Bill and Stefan just took us under their wing. They liked us and kind of treated us like a little brothers. And when all got signed to a major label, because um, all the pop punk bands got sort of swooped up by the majors after Green Day and Offspring and all that shit happened. Mm -hmm. And so they got picked up, got a bunch of money, and were like, they opened the Blasting Room. And Hackfish, it's kind of hotly debated, but we're always saying we were the first band there. I believe we were the second band at the Blasting Room to record a record. And that started my long story to career with Bill Stevenson. Man, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's insane. Like we were when we were texting back and forth. I mentioned that yeah, I met Bill in Portland on that last Descendants tour, and just how uh, such such a interesting guy. Like it just insane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like his like an encyclopedia of knowledge, and then his sure. no one drums like that ever. Like at all, not no, at all. No one in the world. It's just the, the weirdest style. But the, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. He's a, and dude, I was like a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, and every record I was picking up had Bill on, Bill on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, whether it was Black Flag Descendants, October Faction, anything. It was like all the SST shit. Mm-hmm. And so we're like this common bond of, and, or if he didn't play on it, he produced it because we were also really into the cruise record stuff. So we're talking like Chemical People and, you know, Big Drill Car mm-hmm. and, you know, all these other bands. So he, they took us in as like, okay, we're going to, you know, cause you guys are basically trying to rip us off and no, nobody's really going to like your band because you're trying to, because at the time no one cared about all, everybody wanted to hear descendants. This is like the early nineties, like mm-hmm. 90, 91, 92. They would play clubs and, you know, little small punk squats and shit. And they took us in and that was a, the single most important thing that's, I think it ever happened to me career wise and basically taught us how to play and molded us, you know, fashioned us in their image pretty much and uh, sent us on our way. And we kept going back there making records. And then we broke up and uh, I somehow got I'm, I'm getting way ahead. You just asked one question and I'm just sucking. No, this is exactly what it's about. This is natural <laughs> progression. This is what it's all about. <laughs> uh, every, everything I've done is pretty much satellited from Bill, except Guar. I knew... Because I also am a thrash metal kid, my brother and I, as we're worshiping the Descendants, we also worship Ritter Mortis, which were like Dallas, Texas's uh, thrash band. Uh If you were from Dallas and you were a metal kid, you fucking loved Ritter Mortis. And they had broken up, and their guitar player, Mike Scotia, who is quite simply the most amazing speed metal guitar player of all time, also R.I.P., unfortunately, he got cherry picked by ministry. Al Jorgensen were just like, this guy's so unbelievable. And he took him mm-hmm. and <clears throat> ministry had done some stuff with Guar and Mike had a protege in Austin. I mean, in Dallas guy, he'd been teaching a Guar needed a guitar player at that point. This is like 1990, mm-hmm. maybe even sooner. And his, this guy's name was Pete Lee. So he got Pete in the band. I told him, Hey, I got the, I got your guy. And they got Pete. Pete then got Casey or from Guar to play bass. Uh, eventually, they ended up needing a bass player. Well, now we're at like 98, 99, and Hackfish had just broken up, and then Pete had left Guar. And so Casey, I just knew Casey because, again, I'd punished him since I was a little kid. <laughs> like, you fucking bad, dude. I fucking love you guys. You know, whatever. Uh-huh. My brother and I had, you know, it's been a nuisance for this fucking guy. Sure. And he had ended up liking Hackfish. So he, 
he loved loved the Dickies. He loved Descendants. He loved all the shit that we were, you know, basically trying to rip off. Mm-hmm. And he would be coming to our shows. He's like, dude, man, we need a guitar player, man. Might as well, might as well mine Texas again and see if you want, you know. And I was like, dude, he's like, I never really thought about joining Guar. I mean, I'll come out and audition. I, I really did not think I was going to get the gig. Sure. I just thought I could tell people the story forever. You know, like, dude, I went to audition for Guar. But I took it seriously, and I went out there and got the gig. And then, you know, didn't even think about tomorrow. (laughs) Dude, it was nuts. I love it. And within like two weeks, I'm like wearing these big flipper fucking dinosaur feet. I'm walking out to stage. Uh Um, I can't see anything because the mask had these huge cheekbone things. And I was flat as Maximus, (laughs) uh, which was their character, the guitar player forever. Couldn't, I had to learn how to play the entire set without looking at the fretboard. Uh, It was nuts. (laughs) Um, but ultimately, I just didn't feel I, – I kind of – I didn't feel a total place in in Guar. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Brocky, again, fucking rest in peace. Yeah. God damn it, man. Yeah. It's like all these people – oh, my fucking Black Widow, everybody I play with. Um, Dave and I became really, really close, and I've never met anyone like him, never will meet anyone like him. And uh, he, he was – he had some habits at the time yeah. that I, I could see were sort of interrupting everything. And I just kind of gave it an ultimatum and, and he just couldn't stop. And so I left and I left with nothing to go to. Mm-hmm. It was hindsight. I'm glad you know I, I needed to do it, but at the time it was really scary because I just went back to day jobs. I was just like, fuck. I was like temping and construction, whatever I could find. Yeah. Uh, and that's when Bill came back into my life, and we started a band called Only Crime, which was like my brother, who was in Hackfish with me, and Russ Rankin from Good Riddance mm-hmm. was a singer, and Aaron Dalbeck from Bane. Actually, Russ put it all together. Russ had been on tour with Bane. Good Riddance had been on tour with Bane. And he wanted guys that just didn't drink, smoke, or do drugs. He didn't want to be like an ex-up, ex like straight-edge band. He just didn't want to deal with with that shit. Yeah. And Bill, we wouldn't even consider Bill, you know, like, I mean, he's Bill Stevens. Why would he play with us fucking schmucks? And he caught wind that, you know, he had produced uh, Good Riddance. He had produced Hagfish. He was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to get out of the studio. He was just kind of, he hadn't been playing. Descendants weren't back together. Mm-hmm. All were largely defunct. And he just wanted to get out and play. And so because of his involvement, it was kind of a side project. But shit, we still went to Europe, we went to Japan, we like toured quite a bit, Fat Records put it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that band toured with Rise Against. And that's where I met those guys, and we all hit it off. And so when they needed a guitar player, they they just thought of me. So yeah. it's like all of this stuff just springboarding away from Bill. You know what I mean? It's yeah. all roads sweet, except Gwar. I also did a fucking solo record called Armstrong. Me and my brother did. I sang and wrote it. Bill had a label called Owned and Operated that we curated this cool fucking roster of bands. Again, bands that were like largely influenced by Descendants and all. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like after Fat Mike had done Fat and Brett had done Epitaph, Bill had his own thing. And he put that record out, but of course no one heard it. <laughs> you know, Brad, Brad, the drummer from Guar, who's a fucking amazing drummer. He's so so unbelievable um he played drums on it and i'm really proud of it but it's just of course nobody ever nobody heard it yeah (laughs) damn so So that's in a nutshell (laughs) what what going back to guar real quick what years were you in guar 
I was in Guar. It's foggy, but around the end of 98 till about 2002. I want to okay. say till about the middle of 2002. Not a, a really long time. I recorded, we wrote and recorded a record. Like I, I joined right after they had recorded a record called We Kill Everything. Uh-huh. So I did the full international tour cycle, two-year tour cycle for that record. And then we wrote and recorded a record called Violence Has Arrived, which was like our return back to just metal. Like yeah. no convoluted storylines, no extraneous characters. Our whole idea was like, let's just be a fucking metal band, write songs about war and death and all that shit and blood. <laughs> and we did. And it ended up being a fan favorite because people kind of wanted to hear that. They had been just introducing these extraneous characters and it was just getting so convoluted. And I did, we did We Kill Everything. I mean, we did uh, Violence Has Arrived and I toured like the first round of tour cycle with that. And that's when I kind of had a little bit of falling out and, and bailed. And subsequently, God damn, more death. So the guy that replaced me is a guy named Corey Smooth, brilliant guitar player, yeah. re, reinvigorated the band. Uh, he was in the band for about 10 years, maybe longer. Actually, I think longer, maybe 11, 12. Mm-hmm. And they were on tour and Corey died. And uh, they asked me to come back and write because we had always had a good time writing. We were always real good creative together. Uh, they just wanted to keep the momentum going. You know, they're like, man, if we slow down, we're going to fucking break up. Mm-hmm. So do you want to come back out to Richmond? And this is Brock. He was still alive and everything. And I'm so fucking glad I was able to do it. So rise against had, we were toward the end of a tour cycle. So it was like, I had time. So I would get off tour with rise against, go home for a few days and then fly to Richmond. And then I am standing with Guar again, uh-huh. riding metal. And we did, I wrote half of and played on half of a record called Battle Maximus, which was like a send-off to that character, Flatus Maximus. Yeah. So Corey, yeah, yeah, they killed the character Mm -hmm. off because, you know, Corey had died. Because he had played the character longer than anyone else, you know? I think um, it was a guy named Dewey that was the first guy, then Pete, then me, and then, you know, it was a bunch of different guys who played it, Mm -hmm. but Corey Corey had done it for the longest. while we were making that record, they all were auditioning other guitar players, and they found the guy they have now, who's the new character, Pustulus Maximus, a guy named Brent Purchison, who's also a brilliant guitar player, great, great guy. Um, and so I got to write and play on half of Brocky's last record, because okay. they were touring that record, and that's when Brocky passed. Yeah. But I got to you know write with him again, spend time with him again, reconnect with him, uh, I went up there a bunch, you know, I was up there for a long time and, and we wrote a really cool record together, I thought. Uh, yeah, so it's weird sometimes my career, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. I, the reason I was asking the years is because we were, the band before Portugal Man, we, we were in a band called Anatomy of a Ghost and we were touring Texas and we were down there and it seemed like we were following Guar every night. Like we'd be there the next night, every time it still have the day sheet up and the place was trashed. And, <laughs> and we're like, Jesus Christ. Like we, we were all Guar fans growing up in Alaska and like the, the, we never, you know, until way later got to see it live, but, um, oh, yeah. we were always right behind. Yeah, we so have- the green rooms were trashed and like the, there was just shit everywhere. 
and the stage was dirty and just disgusting and like there's this place in houston i forget what it's called it's like this weird like warehouse kind of club i forget oh man i'll never remember the name but um that was one of them and then for some reason we switched to the east coast and then we were we were following huey lewis in the news (laughs) it was totally random so like the day sheet was huey lewis in the news because at the time we didn't have day sheets so they never took it down it was just whoever was there the night before and we're like holy shit guar again okay of course everything's fucked up and then uh well yeah i felt i always felt so bad about ruining these people's (laughs) lovely establishments you know we play like a house of i'm so fucking surprised to this day that the house of blues chain has guar play there because all that stuff is so you know it's like whoever's guitar sitting on the wall and somebody's symbol and you know all this stuff is brilliant beautiful and this you know custom-made furniture and the guars is shooting fucking fake blood all <laughs> over it if they don't cover it up it's fucked yeah. you know uh i remember like one of my first gigs we did the new the 930 in dc like the newer 930 and it, i was such a newbie it's so green i came back in i was like they just there's plastic all over everything and they're like <laughs> Yeah, dude, get used to it. Shit happens every night. I was like, oh, fuck, I guess you're right. <laughs> and they would disqueen for, like, plastic, you know, like, whole of fucking plastic. <laughs> they would put them over the monitor, so the monitors always sounded weird. You wouldn't mm-hmm. hear me because otherwise you're going to... I still have gear that I used toward that time, uh, like Marshall stuff, that still has fake blood in it. You can still see it. <laughs> and I... All of those guys, that shit, it's 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 food coloring basically, mm-hmm. and it stains you, and it doesn't come off. So for any given time on a Guar tour cycle, you're just pink. Everything <laughs> you have is pink. And I, at the time, the, the flattest mask that I wore, I Pete, I was replacing Pete Lee, the other Texan that was before me. And his mask, it was a little more jokey and cartoony than the one that they ended up being. Like, uh, they made one for me that ended up being Corey's mask as well. But it didn't have a chin. So you would paint your chin with red grease paint. And I was allergic to the red grease paint. I didn't know it. So it wouldn't come out of my fucking skin. So I would have this off-red chin for months. And you'd, you know, scrub it and try to get it off, and you'd scratch, scratch yourself up, and you had scab. you just look like you had some disease the whole fucking time. It's terrible. And you couldn't really wash the stuff. There's something about the smell. They just played here in Austin a few weeks ago, and I went out and hung out with them. And there's something so discernible about the smell. It's like a locker room mixed with, like, something you can't quite place. It is the most disgusting smell, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just you can't wash the pads off. So it just you smell disgusting for the entire fucking time, it's, and it's like makes your eyes water. It's that bad. Oh my god! Yeah, dude, it's terrible. It puts you into character. Terrible. It puts you into character, absolutely. It gets you in character. Yeah, it yeah. fully does. It feels like you're going into battle. I mean, it fully, you know. Sure. Yeah. It, 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 so I guess for that end of it, it's pretty good. Yeah, you kind of you're like I am a complete beast right now. Like I'm an animal. But I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. And he, oddly enough, it's like the one thing where it's like my one party trick. I can just say, like, I was in Guar. I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? <laughs> we, um, not to name drop, but this is such a name drop. We, we uh, Rise Against toured with the Flu Fighters. We've been fortunate to do that a few times now. And those guys, uh, 
especially the first few days, we're not really, you know, talking. I've known their guitar player, Chris, since the 90s. Oh, yeah. No use for name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hackfish, you know, used for name, used to do tons of shit together. So yeah. we've been buddies forever. So that's always like hugs and kisses. But, you know, the rest of the guys, so nice, so nice to us. And we're just in catering one day and trying to keep to ourselves. And somebody, I was just answering some dumb Baynell question, and I said something. I think it was like to a guy with us. I was like, yeah, well, when I was in Guar, we bought... And Dave Grohl just dropped everything. It was like, did you just fucking say you were in Guar? And I was like, yeah, dude. And he took me to their dressing room, and he already had, like, windows opened up of Guar videos and stuff. And he had just been watching Guar stuff. Like, he was in a Guar phase right then and there. Right so when then you he said just it. had a thousand questions. And I was just like, more than happy to regale him with, you know, because there's so many stories, man. Dave, on top of being just, you know, this fucking like renaissance man that could do anything he also was the funniest person i've ever met in my life like naturally the guy should have been a stand-up comedian and so i have a thousand stories that we would tell be a whole other podcast uh and so yeah it ended up working out for me <laughs> you know it, that's it, that, amazing that is, uh, dude uh, that's hilarious. It's it's so it's so it, and Dave Grohl uh, on that subject too. Like the the bands he's been in, like besides you know when he was in Scream, like comes from a whole different scene than you would imagine. It's like a like big commercial Nirvana, like you know Foo Fighters totally. thing. And, but you know what? He's from Virginia, mm-hmm. and he knew those guys. Yeah, uh, he didn't know them really really well. But you know, Dave grew up with like. Ian and Alec Mackay, yeah. and, you know, around the whole DC scene and stuff, he mm-hmm. just <clears throat> went another way. Sure. <laughs> to put it mildly, he went another fucking way. Yeah. And created his own thing. Um, yeah, man, it's cool to have that to, you know, because I still am a total metalhead. I still love thrash metal. I still listen to death metal. And it's cool to have that as, as an outlet still, you know, because mm-hmm. I still we'll call back and write with those guys and play some lead guitar and, you know, do things. And, and we're all still family. So it's, 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 I'm really fortunate. Yeah. yeah. That's intense, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Like that's how you it's can get a weird those wiggles duality. out, you know? Yeah. Between rise against the Guar, it's definitely a, a, a strange duality. We could say that. That's so hilarious. What did the rise against guys think of, of Guar? Are they as they big love fans it. as you I are? Mean, um, you know, it's that probably, no, I actually, Joe, our bass player, he's a huge fan of, uh, of the scum dogs of the universe which is like their seminal mm-hmm. second record you know with like yeah. all their the big if you know a guar song it's off that record oh yeah um i don't think you know and dude honestly i mean i wasn't even a guy that grew up with guar i i i mean i was into like death metal mm-hmm. and guar i mean this is such a fucking pedestrian thing to say because everybody says it like i thought it was kind of jokey and silly you know mm-hmm. um but at the time you know i was out of a gig and they you know, they asked me, and I was like, Shh, I never really thought about this, but sure. And then I ended up loving it, you know. Uh, really get into it and realize, oh, shit, there's some really cool shit going on in this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, before that, I just kind of, like, scoffed at the music. I was like, oh, I mean, a live show's going to be great. And that, as a member of the band, pissed me off so much. They're just, people just like, ah, it's a live thing, but the records are kind of silly. It's like, well, I, I was, I had been that guy, yeah. you know, because I was like, I took my death metal really seriously, you know. And and shame on me because it was like I got into it and I thought, thought it was really cool shit, but I wasn't a guy that like I don't even think I had Guar records before I joined the band, you know? Yeah. Which fucked me because when I joined, they were like, "Okay, here's forty songs." 
you know, try to try to learn these 40 songs. They're totally fucking with me, by the way. And I was like, oh, okay. And so they gave me a few days. And then I got this crazy message that I live with my brother. I was just couch surfing with my brother. And I crazy message on the answering machine from Dave Brock. This is like 98. This crazy, odorous, youngest voice. So like, hey, this is Dave. And this crazy, quacky, weird voice he had. And he's like, you know what? Forget those 40 songs. Here's 11 songs. Learn these 11 songs. And I was, this was like a few days after giving me 40. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. And then uh, about a day goes by, and it's like, forget all those. Don't even worry about that shit. Here's like four. Just learn these four. These fucking assholes. And it was like the day before I was supposed to leave. And I ended up going through like, when I auditioned, I went through like one song. And then they deliberated, like, hey, you got the gig if you want it. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. And I wasn't even sure I was playing the one correctly because I was just had all this shit swimming around in my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I know, man. How fucking uh, nerve-wracking yeah. that is. Oh, dude, it was fucking crazy. It was, you know, it, after that, I was prepared for whatever. So when Rise Against called, I was just like, I, you got it. Let, what do I need to learn? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> give, me your, give me your 12-song set list, and, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And that's right when Rise Against was blowing up. Yeah, man. It was touring the um, Suffer and the Witness record. Yeah, so you came in on that touring halfway... cycle, right? I did. Oh, yeah, my Jesus first tour Christ. with the guys was, yeah, man, it was kind of getting dropped into the belly of the beast, really. It was like um, the first tour I did with them was opening for My Chemical Romance on the Black Parade Tour. Uh-huh. So it was sporting arenas and, you know, a uh, fucking, I mean, I had just, st- uh, we had just done an only crime tour, second record to come out. And dude, we're playing, you know, a hundred capacity bars to no one. Yeah. 20 yeah. people. No one, you know, we figured, oh, these are the guys from other bands that people like. Descendants, all oh, Bane, Good Riddance. You yeah. Know, hackers, not that anybody really cared. And no, you put those together, no one gave a fuck. Um, and so I had been playing to no one, and then, boom, my first show with Rise Against is opening for this enormous mega tour of, you know, My Chemical Romance, and they're huge at the time, and Rise Against is doing really well. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a culture shot, to say the least, you know? It was, it was a lot. Uh, and I really had to be on my toes, you know? Yeah. I had to, you know... Uh, it's great, and it seems like it hasn't stopped since. You know, it's just been this sort of, <laughs> you know, it hasn't. It's been this merry-go-round with that ever since. It's you know, we we do like two years on, and then we write and record a record, and then we go right back out. We started taking more time between tours now because everybody's kids are kind of grown. Yeah. Uh, I and I never had kids, um, <clears throat> but you know, I'm married, and we like to have some semblance of life. You know what I mean? Well, sure. Um. <laughs> but uh yeah man man that's insane what so what was the biggest like impact to you i mean that the to get dropped into a band like that with i mean the schedule the machine running behind it like the people don't understand the machine that runs behind oh man bands of this level where you're at and and having i mean the funny thing about the last story too is a lot of people don't know what it's like to audition for a band like they either start a band and just kind of work into it and work their way through uh-huh. and stay in it, 
but having to audition for a band like the 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 it is fucking nerve wracking. Yeah, and you don't know if they're fucking with you or whatever. You know, like I had um, Juan on from Mars Volta the other day, and he was talking about how like they audition a drummer, they basically come in. Uh, okay, we're going to jam for a minute, and then they jam for another minute, and they're like, okay, that's how it's going to start, that's how it's going to end, let's get out there. And they just go fucking play the show. Like, it's oh, it's Jesus fucking crazy. Christ. Like, it, we're going to jam all the way through. This is how it starts, this is how it ends, and there we go. Let's do it. And it worked. Oof. But, like, you think yeah. about the, the, nerve, the nerves and everything else, but then also auditioning for the band and then bloop, right into the fucking deep end of the of everything that's insane oh man it it was from end to end rise called me asked me if i would like to and to, to join it wasn't a they fortunately and i still think these guys daily it's like i didn't it wasn't an audition it was like we know we want you to do it they you know we knew each other they'd watch me play they okay so they put a lot of trust in me you know i could have easily just not did the gig you know i yeah. showed up and not really known my shit but i took it really seriously because I, I really wanted to play with these guys and um <clears throat> they gave me their set list but it was kind of like you have like a it, we were doing the only con tour we were almost done i had like a week between that and this my chemical romance tour starting so it was even though i wasn't auditioning with people i was up against it you know because mm -hmm. this was material i was completely not familiar with um and very nuanced specific phrasing and guitar stuff so it was just like you know and it was a band that had been together at that point for eight years they had four records out they were very established they were very set in their ways of like here's how we do things and it was up to me to just jump on you know yeah. um it was nerve-wracking it was totally nerve-wracking but auditioning for a band where well, you that's that is it's it's that level but times a thousand because if you really want the gig i mean you got 20 other dudes that are doing it with it they want it too mm -hmm. you know what i mean like yep. the fuck what, what are you bringing you know and i've had to do that for a lot of different bands because you know i i sort of said it in my head there's like once Haxish, my band out of high school didn't work out i was like well i'm a guitar player because i didn't really I don't have a plan B. Mm -hmm. So I've had to audition for lots of things, and it's always the fucking nerves, man. And then that that crazy process, I guess I have a system to it now, learning a band's entire body of work. That's interesting. Because every band has very similar things in their music. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't know the names of the song. They're all running together. You know what I mean? Then you get the pressure, the added pressure of hear these guys looking at you going, hey, perform our perfectly. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. They want it's to feel lot, comfortable. They want to, that Juan was saying something like, when he goes in there, he knows like some of these bands just want you to sound like, so like he plays bass for Marilyn Manson now, so he needed to sound All like right. Twiggy Ramirez. He it, he didn't need yeah. to bring in his fretless jam sound. He needed he needed what pedals what blah 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 and come in and make Manson feel comfortable that the band behind him is you know the the band and so like that weird thing right. too because he's a very creative individual you know uh, he's not like a hired gun kind of guy but he ends up doing a lot right. of that to whereas with Rise Against like coming in almost like having to pick up to where they were at. Not as a hired gun, but as a full member, that's that's incredible. Like that. Well, yeah, and and to a certain extent, at least at first, for all intents and purposes, you are kind of a hired gun because 
they don't want to take much. They don't have time to coddle you mm-hmm. and to go, dude, it's not like that. It's actually like this. So you have to get your ego aside and go, but I do this thing. It's like, I don't really <laughs> give a fuck. Like, that's great that yeah. you do that and you know how to do that. That's your sound. And that's cool, but this is not the time for that motherfucker. Sure. Like, this is the time for you to make us sound the way we have sounded so far because we have, we have an objective. You know, we got to play tonight. Yeah. And you have to leave that ego at the door, man. You've got to be like, okay, well, you hired me for a reason, and that is just to make your band sound good right now. So let's mm-hmm. get, you know, I, you got to get on board. I've known people that are fucking brilliant musicians, and they cannot get over anything. Man bands i'm sure you have too because it's one of those things they feel like well i'm going to change this band Mm -hmm. i'm it's you know it's like any relationship i'm going to change this person it's like no you're not yeah you know you're going to join their band and you're lucky to do that because there's many other people that would line up to do it and just do what you're told man for now yeah once you're in and you can fucking swings and you can write some songs with them and shit and do your own thing but for right now just get on board. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got hired for a reason. They're not, you know, they're not, you're not, they're not doing you any favors. You're actually helping them. They know you can play the gig. Mm-hmm. So just go play the gig. You know, I've seen so many people's ego get in the way of that shit. And it's hard, man. It is hard. Cause as musicians, professional musicians, we, inherently, we all have egos, you know. It's, oh, sure. The truth. Anyone who gets you know? up there and does that has something going on. You know? Totally. Jesus Christ. It's so hard point? to not. Yeah. Yeah. It's about it's about that letting that thing speak for you because it's there it's there with everybody mm-hmm. but when that thing starts speaking for you then you're a fucking asshole exactly <laughs> you know? universally you're a fucking asshole and so you got to keep that thing at bay and just go you know what I'm lucky to be here this is a cool band I'm gonna do what they want you know yeah um, and that kind of never stops I mean I think when you're in a band whether you started it joined it or whatever you kind of it's all for one you know one for all I've always wanted to be able to speak band, so to speak, better than anything else. Mm-hmm. I've always pledged allegiance to the band. I've never thought of myself as a solo guy. I tried one spot at it, and even that was called a band, you know? Yeah. Um, and it never worked. I've always liked just playing in a collective and being collaborative and being creative in that space, you know? And being just a guy that plays guitar has also been fun. I've been able to be a guy that writes and all that and be a guy that... That, you know, hey, I'll play guitar for you, too. You know, I, I yeah. like every aspect of it. Sure. Well, also being a guy yeah. who's done this in so many high-level positions and and in a high-level position for so long and being clean and sober and not having that rehab story and not having that, you know, it, sure. that is so refreshing to me because I've been, you know, I, well, I never man. claim straight edge ever. Like, I don't, I don't think you yeah. need a label on it. Like, I grew up in a Mormon household. It's, I mean, it's like a... It's weird, like to to. So I know was never exposed to that at a younger age, and when I was a teenager, of course, I dabbled here and there with weed and drinking, but I I cut that shit out in my early twenties. Where I was like, this is not where I want to be. This is not worth it to me to feel like shit the next day to have a few hours of fun, which I'm having. And you know, like I never. I wish I could say I never tried any of that stuff all to this day. But when I hear a story like that, where you, I mean, just not touched anything. It's it's inspiring, you know, like it's fucking awesome because you don't need any Thanks, of that man. stuff. But being around it so much, all the time, and being able to just be who you are is fucking. It takes guts, man, and I I, I appreciate uh, that side of things with with what you were telling me because it's it's 
It does. It takes guts to do that. I mean, you're you're just around it Thank all you, the man. time, and people fall victim to it. Like you're saying, people, RIP, RIP, RIP. How many of that is drugs, dude? Like actually thinking fucked. about. I mean, almost all of it was drugs. Yeah. You know, and or you know, just just taking not taking care of themselves. And you know, I, I mean, it's a few things. It's like when I was younger, the peer pressure was was stronger. It was like, oh, I want this person to like me. You know, I yeah. want I want to fit in here. And and it was harder. It was harder to go. Uh, you're going to think I'm a total square, but I'm not going to fucking do this. Yeah. And. And then it became a thing, a promise I'd made to myself, which I was just like, okay, well, I promised myself I'm not going to do this. And it was really because <laughs> I had parents that were making those choices. So in real time, as a kid, I was able to go, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And my brother and I also choosing to be musicians and realizing how many of our idols were dead or dying, you know, the way I've been reading off this list to you, just in this this fucking interview you yeah, know yeah and i realized like all oh, these things don't work and you see it man it's like when you you know when you tour you get done with the gig you're fucking bored yeah you know what i mean like yeah a professional around, time waster like, yeah totally and i know people are like, oh poor guy poor musician all i gotta do is show up play a gig it's like totally my life is super fucking rewarding and easy and i'm crazy lucky but i definitely see the allure of okay let's escape everything right now let's go fucking let's let's forget about all this tonight because we're in the middle of a six-week tour i miss the world i miss my family i miss my life I miss my kids um whatever it might be you know and, and or inherent sort of somebody might have some sort of depression or mm-hmm. anxiety or whatever it might be and i you know i'm not above any of that i probably have a fair share of all of that i just never gave myself the option to sort of escape and there's been times I fucking wish I would, trust me. You sure. know, like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what that shit's like. Yeah, we've all um, done that, like, regardless. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But being 46 now, I think it would just be a really bad look. That's fucking mean. A really bad look to start now. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Well, sure, but it's such an accomplishment in this day and age, even in that day and age. Like, it, I mean, I know you don't have kids or anything, but like it, to have to be that age and to be clean and sober your whole life, that is such a fucking it's it's impressive. Like, it's really impressive. And, and it's it's it, and you do you have an incredible life. I mean, your 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 everyday job is someone's it's millions of people's dreams that will never get there. And they will try and try and try, and they will never get there. I, I, I am so lucky. I yeah. It's a complete luck out on my, you know, because there are so many deserving people that should be right where I am. or or, And, you know, I definitely give my just it's fucking right place, right time, man. It well, really is. You well, know, true. But yes, that's... it's having the chops to be able to do it once you get the call, but... I mean, shit, you know, when you get the call, it's like, what gets you the call? Well, it's knowing people, it's talking about yourself, it's, you know, showing up, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of things. But what you're doing, but what you're doing by your lifestyle of of what you're eating, what you're doing, what you're not doing shows how much you respect and and appreciate your station in life. That you want to do it as long as possible. You don't want to fuck it up with this other shit, you know? Like, you appreciate it, and that shows it right there. That's the huge thing for me is you put your money where your mouth is, you know? That's awesome that, you know, I really appreciate you noticing that. I mean, if there is one thing that I respect above all else, it it is this. It is the fact that I get to do this. It is the fact that I get to do this at this level 
you know, it is the fact that I get to be in this band. Like I said, I pledge allegiance to the band. I speak band. I, I'm a member of a band. That's all I am. You know, I'm no one's dad. I'm someone's husband. Yeah. But I think even first and foremost, I'm a member of a band, and I have been mm-hmm. since I was 14 years old, and I've never taken that for granted. And if that means trying to take care of myself, say no to things, maybe be a fucking square, go to bed early, because I want 20 more years at this, yeah. well, then so be it. You well, know? Yeah. Um, I get the chance to do it, and that's a very rarefied. I, I'm breathing rarefied air. Uh, and I want to keep doing that. You know what I mean? I don't want to go anywhere. So that's incredible, Zach. Like that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, like that's, that's what people need to hear. You know, when people listen to this episode, they're going to hear that people that may already have your picture on a wall or, you know, you're in their favorite (laughs) band. Like it's, it's hearing that stuff. I get emails constantly on both ends from people that are clean and sober or people that aren't that people say hearing so-and-so say that got me the courage to go get help or to stay the path and those emails are the ones that i will forward on to you know whoever they're talking about and be like dude see what i'm talking about like that is huge and people don't realize that you know like it's it's huge that's fucking awesome. I mean, it's my story lives. helps out anyone. You know? Well, I, that's amazing. And, you know, like I said, if, if my story helps out anybody, then that's, that's, then that's a job well done. And, you know, even if just one person, you know, if it's affected anybody, then that would make me so good. Sure. <clears throat> sure. And then, you know, they get in that yeah, situation. Man. They say, fucking Zach Blair, I heard him this week. You know, this this inspired me, you know, like that's the that's the coolest shit, you know, it's awesome. And uh, well, that's awesome, dude. I am I am so stoked uh, that you came on the show and and uh, oh, you know, I want to take man. a bunch more of your afternoon. But, you know, and big shout out to Jenny for hooking us together. Uh, yeah, Jenny, that was so yeah, random. She's like, you should talk to I Zach from Rise. Man. He's in this band dot 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 rise against. So I was like, yeah, I'm I'm familiar. And she's uh, like, yeah, you know, we'll hook together. You know, it's so cool getting connected in different ways and you know when you and i are texting me i'm friends with a couple of your crew guys like it, it all circles around to to you know these little connections but um absolutely man is there it's anything such a small, small world you know yeah well i mean and and thank you for your contribution to music and what inspires me and and living the way you do and you know all that stuff just ties Thanks, i leave buddy. these things inspired you know like it, it's a big deal for me to spend this time with somebody and, and glean what I can from it and, and hopefully do the same for others. But, um, you know, I appreciate it. It's, it's a, it's an Thank hour you, of your day where you could be doing literally anything else. And, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, this is perfect. man. I really appreciate it. You bet. Is there anything, uh, that you can talk about that's coming up or, you know, we can leave it at that. I, uh, I can cut it off well, here too. Hopefully but, um, I'm, I'm hoping I, it's looking like, you know, hopefully wise against we'll be seeing people next year. Cool. I can say that. Okay. Yeah, we've already got some shows, and you know there should be some things. I do have a band called Dragons. Uh, there's a record coming out, uh, I believe February, maybe March, on Dynalone Records out of Canada, which do a bunch of. If you don't know what Dynalone is, check out Dynalone. Uh, it's an amazing label, and Dracula's with a K, D R A K U L A S. It's me and some of the guys from another wonderful band called Riverboat Gamblers. Awesome. Um, it's kind of a post-punky sort of Dickies. Uh, 77 kind of situation a lot different from Rise Against uh, we always have a full length out on Dirt Nap Records out of Portland mm-hmm. uh, was out oh, of yeah. Portland uh, yeah uh, Ken there and uh, it's called Raw Waves uh, we have a 7 inch uh, called Ow 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 and that's on Red Scare Records 
all this stuff is available on iTunes and wherever you you know you get music. But that new record will be out, I believe, March, um, and it's called Terminal Amusements, and so that's Dracula's with a K. So check that out. Awesome. Right on, yeah. Zach. All right, brother. Well, cool, I'm going to let you go, dude, but let's keep in touch. Let's do a part two when you come through town in Portland. Uh, I'd love dude. to. Awesome. Appreciate it, brother. All right, Dewey. Have Take a care, good buddy. one. Bye. You too, man. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Zach Blair from Rise Against. What an awesome guy. He is uh, He's a true, true uh, appreciative and genuine person. Uh, really refreshing. Zach is, uh, I think he's going to really, sh- he's really going to do a lot of great things continuing on, uh, as he has done already. Cause he's just driven and he's a, I mean, very talented guitar player. I mean, if you watch what he does, I mean, his technique is amazing. He's just a really, really creative guy and he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of irons in the fire. So it's easy to find Zach anywhere you go. So definitely check out everything he's doing. Um, you know, check out if you, for some reason you've lived under a rock and not heard rise against go start at the beginning and work your way through. Uh, Zach came in right after the suffer and the witness was recorded, um, and hopped on basically into the explosion of rise against as it was happening. So what interesting situation to be in anyways, guys, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. I say it every week, but I will continue to say it because I do appreciate it. You know, getting messages and emails and all that from you guys, let me know you're listening, uh, seeing the numbers grow every week. It's been uh, just an awesome ride and a really important thing uh, in my life. So thank you for, for sharing your time with me, whether you're mowing the lawn or, you know, painting your nails or, you know, whatever you're doing when you listen to this, you know, uh, definitely send me a message if you're listening to this in a really weird spot or position or, or position is the wrong word it if you're doing something really kind of weird listening to a podcast uh maybe you're sneaking headphones in on a construction job or something hit me up i'd be interested to know because i do the same thing so anyways thank you so much guys uh we have got an awesome episode coming out next week as mr sunny k the founder of gold standard labs the label uh he is a visual artist a surrealist he's got uh He's got his hands in everything, but he was basically the guy, one of the founders of the whole, I I hate to say it, the screamo genre where with the VSS and Angel Hair uh, back in the day that really influenced bands like the Blood Brothers and Locust and and, uh, just really on the forefront at that point back in the day with, uh, you know, Antioch Arrow and, uh, you know, uh, just a ton of awesome bands. Anyways, Sunny K is coming on the show uh, next week, and so that's going to be a good one. So don't miss it. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, rate and subscribe to the show, uh, tell a friend, tell a loved one. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here, but as always, I'll see you on the radio.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.